Welcome to Tardi Mechanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Adina Schmidman, and today we will be learning Sefer Yehoshua, Perak Zion. In Perak Vav, the Bnei Israel are instructed by Hashem to conquer the city of Yericho. While the city appears to be impenetrable, the people follow Hashem's direction and divine strategy. They conquer the city, destroying everything in it, except for Rachav and her family, who sheltered and saved the two spies. They are spared. The destroyed city is meant to be an eternal monument to, to the divine conquest of the promised land. Perak Zion can be titled Reversal and Response Ability. Perak Zion should have continued with the miraculous victory after victory of the Jewish people moving successfully through the land, but it was not to be. This Perak describes the shocking defeat of the Jewish nation at the hands of the city of Ai. After their victorious conquest of Yericho, Yoshua sends spies to scope out the next conquest, and with their report sends a relatively small force of 3,000 to take the city of Ai, assuming it would be an easy task. However, they are unexpectedly defeated. The Perak opens with the harsh description of the sin of the people when Achan from the Shevet of Yehuda takes from the spoils of Yericho. Pasuk Aleph 1. Vayim alu b'nei Yisrael ma'al b'cherem. The children of Israel transgressed the ban concerning the forbidden property when vayikach Achan ben Karmi ben Zavdi ben Zerach lemate Yehuda min ha'cherem. When the son, when Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zavdi, the son of Zerach of the tribe of Yehuda, took of the forbidden property, by Yichar Af Hashem b'vnei Yisrael, the anger of Hashem was kindled against the children of Israel. The language of the pasuk, and frankly, the whole incident begs the question: If Achan stole from the spoils, why is the entire nation accountable? Pasuk Hey describes the loss. And the men of Ai killed 36 of their men. They pursued them from the front of the gate to Shvarim, and killed them on the slope. The hearts of the people melted and became like water. Kishloshim Vishesh Ish. We know, more personally now than ever before, that every loss is crushing, a future never to be discovered or known. But the loss is even more staggering when looking at the conquest up until this point. Yoshua's transition into leadership is seamless, the crossing into the land smooth, the first conquest victorious beyond measure. And now, this is the first time since Moshe's death that the people experience loss and rejection. The nation feels the absence of Hashem's presence, the shocking knowledge of being completely exposed to the enemy without the shield of the Shekhinah protecting them. Their impenetrable veneer was shattered, and in the eyes of the nations, they became an ordinary nation fighting for territory. And if we look at the wording in the Pasuk, 
The expression that's used, and their hearts melted like water, is an expression used thus far with the people of Canaan about the Jewish nation. And now it is the Jewish nation that is trembling in fear. Yoshua's reaction is dramatic. The words bring us back to the return of the spies and his reaction when hearing his fellow spies speak harshly about the land. He tears his clothes in mourning, according to some commentaries, for the 36 men who were killed. According to others, it was Yair, the son of Menashe, who was killed, and he was an accomplished Torah scholar, hence the mourning. Yoshua falls down on his face in front of the Aron, along with the elders of the people. The Rokeach points out that the custom to lower one's head in the presence of a Torah scroll during Tachanun is derived from Yehoshua prostrating before the Aron, which contained the Torah. The people put dirt on their heads. They are mourning and shocked by the devastating loss. Yoshua's words bring us back to the desert when the people cry out to Hashem. He says here, Hashem, why have you brought us here only to abandon us here in the land? And what will the nation say? And what will be with your great name? Pasuk Tes 9, And the Knani and all the inhabitants of the land will hear, And they will surround us, and they will cut off our name from the earth. What will you do for your great name? Yoshua appeals to Hashem's commitment to his people to achieve divine forgiveness. Hashem responds, directing Yehoshua to rise. Get up for yourself. Why are you lying on your face? And then the expose of the sin. Pasuk Yud Aleph 11. Chata Yisrael, v'gam avru esprisi asher tzivisi osam, v'gam lachu min hacherem, v'gam ganvu, v'gam kichashu, v'gam samu b'chlehem. Israel has sinned, and they have also broken my covenant which I commanded them. They have also taken banned property, and they have also stolen, and they have also denied. And they have also put it into their vessels. Vigam, 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 vigam. Five times, accentuating the message that collective responsibility is a core principle for our people. The Talmud Yerushalmi in Adarim questions, How is it possible not to bear a grudge against another Jew? The response is, If someone's hand slips while slicing meat, causing the knife to pierce his other hand, would he think to take revenge against the hand that slipped and slash it in return? Obviously not, for they're attached to the same body. Similarly, one Jew cannot bear a grudge against another because they are parts of a single body. All Jews must bear the consequences of the actions of an individual, just as in the entire body suffers for the mistakes of the hand. Rav Yitzchak Luria, the Rizal, the 16th century Kabbalist, provides insight why we list so many sins on Yom Kippur that we may not have even transgressed. He explains that regardless of his own behavior, he feels accountable for the sins that other Jews have committed. The concept, according to the Maharal, of collective responsibility comes from the Jewish people's experience at Harsinai. 
the Ten Commandments were uttered in singular, not plural, because when Hashem addressed the people, they were a unified whole. When the Jewish people received the Torah, the concept of public responsibility was limited to public sin. However, once they entered the land of Israel, their sense of connection to each other was strengthened. And therefore, according to Rabbi Huda in Sanhedrin Daf Mem Gimel Amid Beis, each individual became responsible for sins of the other, even the ones done in private. Rashi points to the rededication of the Torah at Har Grizim and Har Evo as the point in which the people became responsible for both public and private sins of the other. What a profound idea that we are not just a nation of individuals, but that we are inherently connected to each other. How is this possible? How can we be responsible for actions that we don't even know about and we cannot even see? You see, if the community sets a bar of behavior and messages expectations, the collective power of the people will create a standard and each individual is expected to rise to this challenge. And as such, here, the community was responsible and the sins were levied vigam, vigam, five times because every nuance was part of the communal responsibility. It's an overwhelming thought, the idea that we're being held accountable for all, but at the same time, the thought is born from the most positive space, that we are one nation, close, tight-knit. We share communal joy, and just as we feel each other's pain, we support each other in times of need. We don't just live together, we are intrinsically connected. We have a collective history and destiny. We are one people, one family. We have one heart that swells with national pride for our triumphs and joys, and this same national heart that aches when hurt both physically and spiritually. Our responsibility to our people is to look out for each other in all senses of the word, in all corners of the world. We are living these messages today, knowing that it is this collective heart that beats in unison through this time of great, great pain. Our challenge is how to live our lives connected to each other in our extended Jewish family, when things are good and times are easy, so that we can continue this unity forward, not only during times of great challenge and hurt, but also in times of peace and calm. Pasuk Gimel 13, Kum Kadesh Ha'am, arise and prepare the people and say, Hiskat prepare yourselves for tomorrow. Why? It is time to rout out this evil from among you. According to the Rambam Hilchostanis, it is a positive commandment of the Torah for each individual to cry out and search his ways in times of national calamity. It's critical that we view tragedies as a national pause button, an opportunity to do teshuva. Taking this opportunity to look deeply and honestly at oneself because Hashem visits calamities upon Israel to inspire each Jew to repent for his misdeeds. If someone fails to recognize that tragedies occur through an act of God, rather thinks that it happens because of happenstance, he is considered cruel because he will not be motivated to improve his behavior, and as a result, Hashem will bring more troubles until all are motivated to change their ways. While today we don't have a Navi to tell us what 
the sin is that is causing our national calamity, we can take the time to look deeply inside ourselves and think about steps we can take toward bettering ourselves and improving our ways. So how did the nation route out this sinner? To discover the sinner, there was a lottery guided by divine direction to hone in on the perpetrator. Why a lottery? Why not just identify Achan just like Korach was identified in the desert? You see, by witnessing the lottery, the people would recognize that there was divine intervention and it would create a faith in a system that would ultimately be employed for the distribution of the land. Pasuk Tezayin 16, by Yashkem Yoshua Baboker. Again, with alacrity, Yoshua gets up in the morning. By Yakrev Es Yisrael Lishvatav. And he had the Bnei Israel approach according to each Shevet. By Yilachid Shevet Yehuda. And Shevet Yehuda was chosen. The Radak explains the selection process. Either they came in front of the Aron, and the person or family or household would be trapped in the force field between the Aron staves. Or the stone of the Urim Vitumim would dim, and then through lots, the family or household, and then finally the individual was selected. Finally, Achan is selected and chosen in Pasuk Yerches. Pasuk Yates, we are privy to a conversation between Yoshua and Achan. Vayomer Yoshuel Achan, Bini, Simna Kavod la Hashem Eloke Yisrael, Vitain lo Toda, Vahagedna li Measisa, Al Techached Mimeni. And Yoshua says to Achan, my son, please give honor to Hashem, God of Israel, and confess to him. Tell me, please, what you have done. Do not withhold from me. This is the showdown between the leader and the sinner. We hear Yehoshua's compassionate side as he addresses Achan as Bini, according to the Da'a Sofrim. But there's another conversation happening here. Achan challenges Yehoshua by introducing doubt into the lottery system. If I was to make a lottery between you and Elazar HaKohen, one of you would obviously be found guilty. A lottery by virtue of design needs to select someone. So Yehoshua pleads with Achan to confess, as Rashi shares, because the credibility and the honor of the Gorol, the lottery system that was going to divide the land of Israel, was in jeopardy. By introducing doubt into the Goral system, it would have thrown the land distribution system into chaos. The Radak adds that Yehoshua wanted Achan to confess so that he would achieve atonement. According to the Gemara Sanhedrin, Daphmem Gimel Amid Beis, we learn from this verse that all people sentenced to the death penalty should be told to confess their sins so that they will receive their share in the world to come. Achan saw that the people of Yehuda were prepared to go to battle to defend him and to defend their tribe because they thought that they were unjustly selected. Rashi states that he confessed, saying, better I should die than thousands of B'nai Yisrael. He understood the tension between Yehuda, the Shevet, whose destiny was the monarchy, and Ephraim, who would be the leader of the ten tribes. Pasuk Chaf 20. Vaya'an Achan es Yehoshua vayomar, Amna Anochi Chatasi Lashem Eloke Yisrael Vachazos Vachazos Asisi. And Achad answered Yoshua and said, In truth, I have sinned against Hashem, the God of Israel. This and this is what I have done. Achan confesses, and it wasn't the first time he had taken spoils in the desert, but as then there was no collective punishment, the people weren't punished for those sins. 
Yoshua sent messengers running via Rutsu quickly so that no one would destroy the evidence and discovered the spoils buried in the ground. As a result of taking from the spoils, Achan was stoned. What was his offense that he deserved the death penalty? According to Rashi, he violated Shabbos when he took the spoils. According to the Ramban, when Israel's king or the Sanhedrin bans property, the violator is liable for the death penalty. Or he rebelled against the king, in this case, Yehoshua. Now, usually the death penalty requires witnesses, but because it was necessary to deter others from sin, the requirements for, for witnesses, according to the Rambam, was suspended. B'nai Israel stoned Achan and burnt his tent and his belongings and then stoned his animals. The final pasuk in the Perak. Vayakimu alav gal avanim gadol ad hayom hazeh. And they piled a great heap of stones on him until this day. Vayashav Hashem mecharon apo. And Hashem withdrew from his anger. Alken kara shem hamakom hahu emek ochor ad hayom hazeh. And therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor until this day. In Divrei Hayomim Aleph, Achan is actually referred to as Achor, the troubler of Israel, as it was he, one person, who caused the Jewish people's advancement into the land of Israel to be halted. The lesson is dramatic, the idea of collective responsibility, a national sin that needed to be routed out so that the nation could move forward. It's a difficult lesson to learn, but necessary to assure a mission of joint purpose with the national good at the fore. We are now a nation that is responsible for one another. It's another aspect of the maturation of a people. When a child is old enough, he can take responsibilities for his or her own siblings. And here too, Achan needed to learn and the people needed to learn that as a nation, individual needs and wants need to be put aside for collective goals. Thank you for studying together. Li'ilui nishmot imotenu hayikarot, Esther Oppenheimer, Allah shalom, and Sarah Schenker, Allah shalom, each deeply devoted and proud to transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations.